Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yeah, basically we're just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beer and talking about magic, in particular MTG Arena. And we have some new cards to talk about, finally. We've been seeing some of these doled out over the last few weeks, but finally the card image gallery is fully available and we're going to talk about some of our... Favorite cards? Most interesting cards? I don't really know. We're going to talk about some cards. Yeah, the cool thing is, like, (laughs) this will be the first time we really talk about previews, because normally the set's out on Arena so fast that you don't have time. But this time they, like, gave us a couple of weeks. You know, here are all the cards. Mm -hmm. You don't get them for a couple weeks. That's true. release if you want to play early. Yeah, that's right. So this is the first time where the the pre-release is uh, separate from Arena's um, official release. So we're going to have to go play some paper this weekend and then get it on arena next week. So very exciting stuff there. But first, before we get to it each week, we bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then we drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right, we're doing another tap takeover here. We got a fresh shipment in from third moon brewing and by shipment, I mean, sack went out, drove out there and picked it all up. Uh, Third Moon Brewing, never tried it. It's uh, sort of near Toronto, I guess. And uh, today we're starting out with Dry Hopped Kills, uh, which is their Pilsner, but it's been dry hopped. So uh, I thought this one would be a really interesting way to start because I've always liked the really crisp, refreshing aspect that Pilsners have to them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm never, never complaining about that. I just find they often lack a bit of oomph. They lack a bit of, like, flavor and kick. And so when I saw that these guys dry-hopped their Pilsner, I thought that might be exactly what a Pilsner is missing to really take it up a notch for me. Yeah, I am uh, I'm also excited we're starting with this one because, you know, it just seems like a, a really good place to start. It doesn't have to be something too heavy, too crazy. Um, but <laughs> Save those for next week. Yeah, we have tried one of their beers, kind of. That, so this is the brewery that did the um, the collaboration with Indie Alehouse, and they did the the peanut butter banana grape jelly sandwich right. uh, pastry yeah, stout yeah. that we tried a couple weeks ago. So that's why we got turned on to them, and so I'm excited to see what they have to offer for their just their plain their normal beers, I guess. <laughs> um, so we will be diving into that over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, magic news. The official spoiler is out, like we said before. We can see all the cards. We can start brewing, kind of, a little bit. Um, and um, trying to figure out what cards do until we play with them and realize what they actually do. is, is the, that's, uh, that's where we are right now. <laughs> classic time period. <laughs> yeah, very classic. So um, excited to speculate on some cards and you know say which ones we think are... Um, well, today's just about having a good time and just some sweet stuff, so... We're not going to get too deep into it. Um, it's always nice to play with the cards a little bit before you're like, this card needs to get banned. Um, I mean, that's, right. that's how we feel. I don't know. There are a lot of people that think that you should do it a different way, but whatever. Yeah, the, usually the other order. <laughs> <laughs> Call for a ban and then actually play with or against the card. Yeah. Um, so, Jeff, you know, let's just let's just start somewhere, somewhere easy. Do you just want to start with some of the Planeswalkers? Yeah, I think there's no better place to start than with Elspeth. The face of the set. Ooh. Uh, so we got another Elspeth card here. Elspeth Resplendent. Three white white for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Plus one. Choose up to one target creature. Put a one one counter 
and a counter from among Flying, First Strike, Lifelink, or Vigilance on it. Minus three, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a permanent with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And the minus seven, the big bad ultimate, create five three three white angel creature tokens with flying. Well, first off, Jeff, do you want to talk about shield counters so we can uh, get uh, I would love get the to full extent. <laughs> so a shield counter is kind of like uh, temporary indestructible, sort of. So basically, a shield counter is if it would be dealt damage or destroyed, you remove a shield counter from it instead. Mm-hmm. So if something has a shield counter on it, it's indestructible. But you can also, like, ping it to get the shield counter off. So, if it's a creature. Mm-hmm. So, it's a really interesting way of, like, doing indestructible, but not in a broken or really frustrating way. Because it's like, okay, I just have to get through this one shield, and then it becomes Vulnerable. susceptible to my Wrath of God or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are saying they're fairly similar to totem armor, uh, which is the thing that's on auras. But, uh, except for, they're not as good because like you said you can ping it any damage that's dealt to it at all even if it's not lethal damage to the creature will break the shield so if you attack in and somebody chump blocks with their one one it breaks the shield yeah i think this is a great mechanic it's i think it's gonna be really interesting and limited oh Uh, yes but even in constructed i think it's cool all right so let's talk about this elspeth card though um what's your overall thoughts looking at this bad boy so bad bad girl (laughs) <laughs> sure yeah um the first off i love elspeth she's like it's the first planeswalker that i ever got from a, a pack in a draft and i was like oh these are cool um so i'm a big fan uh this one it's just it's five mana and i'm trying to figure out like the first thing of course i'm thinking is like mono white can play this card because all your creatures are like good all, all your creatures are like three mana value or less and they're purposely fairly good um but i kind of see it for that minus three the plus one seems nice and giving lifelink seems great um i guess and and you know having flying just stick around but i don't know if it's gonna get there i it it, it's cool because it's elspeth i just don't think i'm really excited about it all right yeah so that was my initial impression i'm coming up a little more on it after reading it again i actually think this card is a lot it's better than it looks. It reads kind of black. Like, it reads kind of like, is that all it does? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this card is going to be really underrated for a little while, and then it'll start to find a place. So there was a couple of things about each ability that I realized. Uh, the first one is that Vigilance is actually awesome right now because you don't get Wandering Emperored. You put it on a creature, and then you attack, and now the Wandering Emperor cannot get rid of it, which I really like. And so, of all of those counters, like, they're all great, basically. But I just love that Vigilance is in there as a means of fighting what is probably the most played card in in the format at the moment. And it also goes really well with that card. Um, Unfortunately, you can't hit Wandering Emperor off the minus three. But obviously, you know, both both like having creatures around. Uh, for their plus abilities, and Wandering Emperor can create the creature for this. And then there's just a bunch of good stuff for the minus three. The minus three is obviously really powerful. A couple of things that came to mind for me, uh, wedding announcement, Mm -hmm. hitting, dropping this, and then immediately finding a wedding announcement that comes into play with a shield counter uh, is pretty good. Um, 
a card that's gone up and up and up for me to the point where I think it's the second best card in the set. Reflection of Kikijiki. What's that one? What's the front side of that called? Uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to have a deck where I, I just find my Fable of the Mirror Breaker more often. I've started putting it in any red deck because it's just good. Like, you don't even need good stuff to copy with the last card. You, just copying the Treasure Maker is already good enough. Mm -hmm. This thing's just a three for one, pretty much. So that's uh, something I'm really excited. Basically, anything... The only problem with that, yo, I was very excited and then a little disappointed because I remembered that the way they templated these transform enchantments, they yeah. will not keep the shield counter. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, yes, indestructible kiki-jiki. The combos ab abound, but... Uh, because anyone who's played Fable of the Mirror Breaker knows that you pretty much never get to untap with Reflection of Kiki-Jiki. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just a pretty powerful... The ultimate sucks. I don't, I don't it's know it's not good. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you would ever use that. Like, it could come up, I guess, obviously. If, you know, both players have no cards in hand, you're just top-decking, and this is just ticking up, up, and then, hey, I win. Um, but it feels like for minus seven on a five-loyalty walker should have a better ultimate but ultimates don't really matter i mean they come up so infrequently exactly yeah i think my main thing like i'm still just i like all those other things but really if you just minus three into like a brutal cathar or a um a, the other one i can't remember the spirit at the moment <laughs> skyclave skyclave apparition i kept thinking luminar gasparin yeah that's also good mm -hmm. too but, but any good, yeah any of those which is basically your removal and then get a shield counter on it seems pretty good to me um but it's still five mana. Yeah, so. brutal, brutal Cathar especially is, is quite good with mm -hmm. the shield counter. Yeah, but um, <laughs> anyway, Jeff, let's move on to our other Planeswalker, the one that uh, popped up in the story, um, I think, to have a card, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they needed a third Planeswalker yeah. in the set. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to our Drunken Forethos uh, last episode to, to understand what that's all about. But anyway, this is uh, Vivian on the hunt. Uh, four green green for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker Vivian. You can plus two, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. You can also plus one to mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. And then there's a minus one, which is I guess the ultimate. Um, <laughs> you create a four four green rhino warrior creature token. So it doesn't necessarily have an ultimate, but I kind of like Planeswalkers that are um, made this way, uh, where you just have a bunch of utility, you kind of go up and down and there's no ticking bomb, but yeah. it is six mana, so that kind and of... It means you get three useful abilities instead of two, because the ultimate... <laughs> Rarely comes up. Yeah. You so. are right. You are right with that. So, um, yeah, Jeff, how do you feel about Vivian? I feel like much like Vivian in the story, this card is just randomly here it's just like added into the file for some reason yeah. and then they added vivian into the story for some reason <laughs> it's all very clear that you know they just needed another planeswalker um i would also like to have been there when they decided how much this card should cost i'm mm -hmm. not sure how they landed on six but uh i think this card stinks like it's, it's way too expensive it's so expensive and it like birthing pods but like for mana values so then the rhino that you make doesn't work with the creature you sacrifice. So then uh, you, you can go get a one drop 
If it was power or yeah. something, it would make more sense to me, I think. Um, and I think that they put it on six so that you could, I guess, play Ren in seven. I don't know. Um, it seems weird. Yeah, I don't, like, I love Birthing Pod's style of facts, mm-hmm. you know. I, if someone's supposed to like this card, you know, it'd be me for that plus two. And this card this is just too bad. This, this is bad. Like, in what world are you playing this instead of Pyre of Heroes? Or is this just, like, a one-of in your Pyre of Heroes thing? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. No, I don't like this it. This is a six-mana 4-4, four, four, and I don't get it. No. <laughs> no, it's not good. I don't... Uh, I, I will wait. This is one of those cards where I won't even look at it um, until somebody proves to me that it, it, it's good, I guess. So... Right. Yeah, don't don't craft this one, folks. Yep, I think that's fairly safe to say. All right, moving right along. Our final planeswalker. The cool one. The cool one. Obnixilis, the adversary. One black red for a three mana planeswalker. I'm already interested. Tell me more. <laughs> casualty X. Uh, the copy isn't legendary and has starting loyalty X. So remember, casualty means when you cast the spell, you could sack a creature with that power. And when you do, you copy the spell. So casualty two would be you sack a creature with two power. Here it's letting you sack a creature of any power, but the copy of Obnixilis you get from it uh, has that much starting loyalty instead of three. Then he has plus one. Each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a one-one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, deals one to any target. Minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Now there's there's an ultimate. That's true. That's an ultimate. This thing is pretty exciting. I want to hear what you're thinking about doing with this. I've seen a bunch of wacky things and, and cards that people are like, oh, this is the best card to stack to it and all that kind of stuff. But I want to hear your thoughts first before I just say what I have to say. All right. So obviously I love this card. I love red-black uh, sacrifice decks, and this is... You know, the first place you would think of is to play this in a red-black sack. I want to just pop this right into the Anvil deck that I was playing. Oh. Have this top out my curve alongside uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking that big, honestly. I'm just thinking of sacking all the dorky one-drops or tokens that that deck makes and, and being totally happy with having a, an extra copy that's one loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um that, that sounds great to me. This card is just really powerful. I think people might... Some people are down on it, which surprises me i think most people think it's pretty good but because i would guess people maybe if they don't like it it's because the plus one doesn't look like it's that powerful but you have to remember this is a three mana planeswalker the minus two is very powerful for a three mana planeswalker and the plus one doesn't have to be that good i mean it just and also if you have two of these things like hey you take two or discard two like take four or discard two or like take two and discard one every turn that's gonna get that's gonna catch up to you. Yeah, that's really good. The other thing I'm thinking, just off the top, if we go Jund, uh, I'm not even sure if this works, but if I play this and then I play Cadillac, then I can copy my Obnixilis token, right? Uh so I, I have heard a little bit about this. Um I believe you well, would it ha- would it have zero loyalty? Yeah. So you, you just tell me. Just tell me. <laughs> yeah, so you can copy it, but I believe that the loyalty would be zero when it comes into play. Uh nothing Ooh. yeah, nothing uh they they probably already thought of that, but um yeah, I don't think it has 
casualty because you're not casting it. But it should have whatever casualty originally was. That would be cool. Um, that would be cool. But also, I'd probably hate that though. You know, it sounds fun <laughs> until you play it. And you're like, fuck you, fuck you, dude. What <laughs> fuck the, this is so no, dumb. Why does it so work dumb. like Why that? Why does it work? You just like <laughs> populate your planeswalkers? No, that that sucks. But if you kill the token, they can't do it because they can't populate the real one. That's true. That's true. Um, but still, usually by that point, like you can't. Like, what do you? If it's already down and then Obnixilis like eats one of the cats or something, and then you can still crew your your chariot, and then you just like make it on the turn that you they play it. Then they have three, and you plus all of them. Ugh. You tag in <laughs> with the chain. What are you talking about? And then you, <laughs> they lose six life or discard three cards. Anyway, um, no, I was, I was just seeing that, um, that a good two drop for this is Skyclave Shade uh, because it's a three one, mm. and you can bring it back. Right. And so then yeah, you, that's perfect. you immediately on turn three get two three mana or three loyalty planeswalkers, and you get to plus them both. Amazing. Or plus one, minus one. I do like the the Oni Occult Anvil deck and just being like, no, I just want to plus because that whole deck isn't really about combat anyway. You're just about making a bunch of dudes and like slowly killing your opponent. So it seems like it goes in that um, game plan already. So I do think that might be a bit better, but. I also just want to sack Kiki Jiki tokens to this. Oh, totally. And also uh, if you're playing historic, you know, there's a possibility you could be playing Rotting Regisaur and uh, that's the right. <laughs> sacrifice the seven three immediately get that ultimate <laughs> ultimatum, ultimatum ultimate. Wow. Ultimate. Yeah, it feels like an ultimatum. <laughs> Draw seven. Yeah. Um, no, this card's great. I, I'd be cool. surprised if this doesn't have a home going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a card that kind of goes with these planeswalkers that I think is really cool and really interesting because I may want my planeswalkers to do my favorite part of magic, which is get into combat. Um, uh, so this card is Luxior, Giada's Gift, uh, which first mm. of all, is this really Giada's Gift? I don't know if she actually gave this to, she helps make it better, but anyway. Um, so this is a, a one mana legendary artifact equipment. Uh, it says equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it. And it says equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Uh, which is interesting because most of the time you cannot equip planeswalkers with equipment. So that's kind of strange. Um, but this <laughs> does have the type line. It says equip planeswalker costs one mana and a regular equip is uh, three mana. So this is an equipment for planeswalkers. Uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. Definitely interesting. Uh, I don't know if this is something I want to do. Like, it feels like it makes my Planeswalker more vulnerable. If it, if it is good, it's priced to move, right? It's like one and then just equip one. I don't know. It seems really exciting to me, especially if your Planeswalker is a creature, you know, they can't attack it, and you may be able to get a shield counter on it uh, in some way. So I'm thinking That's I want to do something like that, be able to get a shield counter on um, any, any card that just, like, adds a shield counter to a creature. And just soup up my Planeswalker, and then it gets plus one, plus one for the shield counter, too, because it's just the number of counters on it. That's true, yeah. So uh, that's pretty exciting. That also includes, of course, their loyalty counters. And it's a creature, but it still activates its loyalty abilities. Now, it is kind of weird. I wonder what happens if you attack in, and it has damage on it, and then you use its minus. Do you just kill your Planeswalker on accident? 
because it had damage. On the- yeah, right. <laughs> That's what would happen. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, probably I'm assuming beware of that. But choose a planeswalker you like that has a good plus ability. I mean, honestly, it just seems like something that would be fun with Nixilis because you get two of them and then you just have one of them go fight. Just slap the sword <laughs> up on the token. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that seems cool. Um, but, uh, you know, funny enough, I don't think I'd really want to have Elspeth with this because um, I like Elspeth's minus three a lot. So... Yeah, maybe I'd pick a different planeswalker, but uh, but it, it just seems. But maybe Elspeth's minus three could hit Kaito, uh, which has a shield counter. That sounds and good. We equip this. Mm, all right, because there is an Esper Super Friends deck. Okay, so we're getting. Oh, there. and it's cool with Kaito because then he's triggering his own plus one to draw instead of having to loot. You know. That is true. So he can just do that himself, so you don't have to worry about getting the ninjas? Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Also, El- you never have to use his minus. Yeah, because Elspeth can also find the sword and put a shield counter on the sword. Hmm. True. Interesting. I kind of like right, this. for Planeswalkers. Here we come. Yeah. Um, so normally I'm not a big Planeswalker fan as far as like those, like a deck revolving around all of them, but mm-hmm. it does seem kind of interesting. Uh, I do... I do like it. I uh, Some people might know that one time I built a commander deck that was just Gideon uh, crewing vehicles because uh, he turns into a creature. So this kind of has my name on it a little bit where I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun though. <laughs> In a dumb, dirtly way. Anyway, um, I think it's sweet. I'd have to see it. I have no idea how this is going to actually work. Mm. This could be good. This could be bad. It this c- could be medium. I don't know. It could be really bad <laughs> because... Uh, equipping it to a regular creature that has no counters is useless. So, oh, it's terrible. It, yeah. It's only good if you're equipping it to planeswalkers. Exactly. Sure. If it, if it's good at all. If it's good at all. So, uh, we'll have to see. But um, I'm excited with these weird counter shenanigans with a bunch of different types of counters. Yeah. Um, and I guess if we're gonna talk about Giada's gift, maybe it's a reasonable time to talk about Giada herself. Mm, I think so. Uh, so up next, we have Giada, Font of Hope, one in a white for a legendary creature, Angel. It's a 2-2 flying vigilance. Each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it for each angel you already control. You can tap to add white and spend that mana only to cast an angel spell. What? Well. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I was hoping that Giada was going to be a good card, but Whoa. This is awesome. <laughs> Holy crap. This is pretty pushed. This is really pushed um, for a deck that they've been trying to get to work for a while. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really, it's it feels like it pays off because we had all these um, angels in like call time and, you know, people have been pushing this like kind of Esper Angels deck, not Esper, sorry. Um, well, sometimes it's like that, but uh, usually it's Azorius Angels deck and finding different ways to get into it. And this card really brings it home. Wow, what a good, what a good card. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if this card wasn't legendary. Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah, thank God it is. But um, wow, uh, this is cool enough that I want to play. I want to play an Angels deck now. I've never wanted to do that because mainly because they played cards that weren't in the actual Kaldheim set. They were just the random ones that they added to set boosters, which I always felt was right. really weird. This card replaces the card that they used to play. You don't have to play that card anymore. 
You can play this one instead. It was a two drop. This one's way better too. So good. Yeah, I mean, like, how close to being, you know, standard playable is 2-2 Flying Vigilance for one and a white? Yeah. Like, pretty close already, right? If not already there, that some decks would play that. Um, and this just has more and more and more on top of it if you're willing to go the Angel's route. The The only downside I see is, like, it's legendary, so yeah. do you want to play four? Like, if you're going to play this, you want to play four because you need to have this on turn two, and then you can have some awkward stuff. Although I guess the second one would at least come in as, like, a 5-5 five, five probably or whatever because it would, it would replace this one and, and have a bunch of... There you tokens. go. There you go. So good. Oh, it's amazing. Wow. I, yeah. I, 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 yes, I think you do need to play this in, like, an angel-centric deck or at least, like, your main game plan is doing that. Um but even if, you know, you're playing the Zendikar land that just, like, makes a bunch of angels uh, late in the game, like the the seven drop or whatever, um, sweet. The call time one that makes a bunch of angels, sweet. <laughs> you don't even need just, like, regular creatures, just, like, tokens that just get huge. I guess this mm -hmm. technically can't, it doesn't uh, ramp you into those, so, you know, it won't actually help you cast them. So maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe forget about what I just said. <laughs> No, yeah, this card has a lot of potential for sure, uh, especially, you know, there are a couple of angels that were decent already. Um, there's the three drop that gains you life. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the legion angel, mm -hmm. which this curves right into. It's like, play this, turn three, play a, what, four, five? Uh, four, three. Four, three. So it'd be a five, four mm -hmm. that fetches up a six, five. Um, yeah they fetches like up another decent. one yikes right and that one would be like a seven six <laughs> um assuming no one interacts with you at any point mm -hmm. um, that sounds yeah good. so if angels is a deck this is going to be a big reason why this is going to be the reason that people try at all because this card is because if you remember angels was actually kind of a real deck in standard 2022 mm-hmm uh, yeah, I remember that. Got a little bit out out muscled by blue black or something in the end. I, I don't remember that much about that format, but uh, I remember that Orzov Angels was a real thing, mm -hmm. and so that means it's not missing that much from being a standard deck. And so something like this goes a long way. This is a hell of a lord. I also like that it's an angel that isn't doing life gain shenanigans. It helps with the other ones that are going around, but it's not strictly like you need to have a right. bunch of life. This one's like, nope, it's okay if you're at 10. You're still going <laughs> to be happy. So Just have angels. Just have angels. Awesome. Giada's sweet. Cool card. Super mm -hmm. cool. Um, I did want to talk about uh, the, the villain in our story that didn't show up at all. Um, because, <laughs> you know, it's a high-profile card. But, you know, we're, we finally have the third Praetor in the cycle of all the Praetors, which we're getting just little bits of at a time i thought he was an ally in the story yeah well we don't really know okay we were guessing that yeah but anyway you're a brask heretic praetor uh three red red for a four four legendary creature phyrexian praetor it has haste of course um at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library you may play it this turn and then it says at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep the next time they would draw a card this turn instead they exile the top card of their library they may play that card this turn all right, I think this card's getting a lot of hate, and I just want to say, I think this is sweet. This seems like a sweet design. I didn't realize it was getting hate. I loved this design. I thought it was really cool. 
as soon as I read the first part and I know how Praetors work, that it's like I get a bonus and you get a sort of equivalent downside, mm-hmm. I knew exactly what the second part was going to be, and I was happy when I read that I was right, that that's what the second part is. Um, I'm not sure what the hate is about. This card seems cool. Uh, it seems pretty good relative to the other Praetors that we've got. It's just obviously it's like, am I going to play this or am I going to play Goldspan Dragon? Mm-hmm. The answer is I'm probably going to play Goldspan Dragon. That's but, true. Yeah. Uh, this seems like the fun card that you like sideboard in against control to like make them have dead draws. Any counter spells they're drawing, they can't play. So the thing is, the, the, the hate was that I think people were just misunderstanding how this card works. So okay. it's basically that like on your turn, you get to draw a card and you get to exile the top card of your library and play until end of turn. Your opponent doesn't draw their card. They just have the card that's exiled. For the turn. So unless they have more draw spells or they, you know, exile the card that's the draw spell, they don't get to keep cards in their hand, basically. Um, which is especially good against people that play at instant speed or, or play counter spells, because playing a counter spell on your turn, usually not that uh, usually not that great. Right. I mean it's also like uh use it or lose it, right? If mm-hmm. they have cards in their hand, they exile a card off the top here, they don't cast that spell it's gone yeah so if they're at a certain point where like they don't have enough cards in their hand or like i was saying they don't have a draw spell then they're just hoping to get a draw spell off the top or anything that they can use but if their whole game plan is to play instant speed um on your turn it's not uh it's not really great yeah i like your i guess breath. if you thought this card was like symmetric does the same thing to both people you might think it's weird but yeah uh, no you're right it adds that a it adds that to you. You get your draw step and this free card off the top that you have to use right now. Yeah. Your opponent only gets the card off the top. It replaces their draw step. Exactly. Um, I just saw a lot of people saying, oh, you know, your opponent gets the, the effect first. I was like, yeah, but it's bad. <laughs> it's bad for them. Yeah, it's a negative <laughs> it's a, effect for them. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> which is good. That's what we want them, right? Uh, it means even if they don't, like, as long as they, it survives your turn, it has accomplished something. Exactly. Um, well, also it has haste, so you still get to attack. Oh yeah, I got, also did four damage probably. That's yeah. A good point. <laughs> so there you go. Um, seems awesome. I'm really happy. I like it. Um, it, it tends to be the, the Praetor that is always like, oh, everyone thinks the red one sucks. Um, mm-hmm. I think people just like that narrative maybe, but I think this one's really cool. I think this is the best of the three for standard. And yeah? Like none of the other two see any play, so I don't know. This one has a shot. That's true. I think once Goldspan rotates, it's actually in the conversation, too. Although there was, like, some werewolf for five mana that had haste and was really good as well that nobody plays because Goldspan is better. Yeah, the arsonist, right, that, that deals the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Even, like, uh, werewolf decks were playing Goldspan yeah. <laughs> over, the, over the arsonist. You know, mana is, mana is just good, man. Mana is just good. Treasure tokens, busted. Busted. Um, all right, Jeff, I'm getting closer... To the end of my beer. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we have time for one more card? Uh, only if you have one in mind. I did want to talk about one. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Mainly because I want everyone to know that this is a card that you should not craft under any circumstance. <laughs> ever. Okay? okay? This is a warning for the meeting of the five. <laughs> so oh, <geez. laughs> It's three Wooberg. 
White, blue, black, red, green for sorcery. It says exile the top 10 cards of your library. You can cast spells with exactly three colors from among the, them this turn. And then you get to add double Wooburg to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast spells with exactly three colors. This card sucks. This card sucks. Don't. It's, it's, it's horrible. horrible. It's horrible. It's <laughs> so bad. Yeah. You know what makes me even more mad? So first of all, this is just a card that like is terrible. You have to build a really shitty deck to make it work. Um, thank God. Isn't this our official preview card? Like Wizards oh. sent me an email. <laughs> yeah, they sent me an email as well. Yeah, this is our preview card. No, um, this is just absolutely terrible <laughs> i just laughed when i read it i was like what what is this why is this card there it's 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 a cool idea but the fact that okay first of all this is just a flavor thing so if you want to give us a card that says it's the meeting of the five the card should be able to play all of the five <laughs> legendary creatures for each family off of the card right it doesn't give you enough mana to do that you can't if, they, if all five happen to be in the top 10 cards of your library, you have to choose which ones you're going to play because you don't have enough of all the colors to do it. It should just exile five and you just get to cast them for free. It doesn't give you... Yeah, the mana more. thing. So then it's like, if you hit the five in the top five, you get the five. Yeah, like, that sounds much better. And like, maybe it you It would get... still be an unplayable oh, card. Oh, yeah. But it... <laughs> and this is a really good example. As we're going into... Um, collection season which is basically an arena where we're trying to collect as many cards as possible as we're drafting uh this card you can totally take from a draft but uh be happy that this is a mythic because um how all the stuff works is that you see less of the mythics and this card's terrible so you don't want to see it a lot if this was a rare you would see it all the time it would be the bane of your existence in your fucking drafts you see it constantly yeah. so it would always be like the dead last well people would be picking them up just so that they turn into 20 uh gems yeah. yeah so uh that's the only reason you'd ever want this card ever so um avoid this like the plague or i guess pick them up i'm confident that i will not play any games of magic that involves this card nope ever <laughs> i'm confident that this is no, because I pointed it out right now, I was going to say I'm going to forget about this card before the, the, the set is kind of run its course, but I'm definitely going to remember this card because it's so fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, you know it's you know it's in your sealed pool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm going to get two. <laughs> it's going to be the preview and... <laughs> yeah, the promo. Oh, the promo, yeah. that's There we go. So You're going to have this card, but it's like warp bent in half because it's a, it's a premium foil. <laughs> so you can't even play it in your deck if you wanted to. Oh, anyway, um, that's, we get to joke about paper because we don't play paper very often. So, haha. <laughs> yeah. The expensive right. cards <laughs> suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, with that, um, should we go meet our next beer? I don't know how to do a segue from yeah. that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great, great place for a beer break. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening, but if you want to support the show even more, Patreon's the best way to do that. And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our after party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we ramble on about uh, some, some stuff. <laughs> Plus, you get to vote on which one of us you like more by either buying me a beer or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host today. All right. 
All right, what is this monstrosity you have to be drinking? So <laughs> this is uh, Born Into This. So it is a sour ale with black cherry. Uh, so it's basically a black cherry sour, and it's a 5.2% alcohol. Jeff's just saying that because the color is so intense. It is... It, yeah. It's very, very purpley pinky purple yeah it's like a dull pink but you you just cannot see through it at all like it's totally opaque yes completely it's almost like uh it's maybe like a grapefruit kind of color i don't know but kind uh, of like that oh interesting it's just huh. a, a wall of color yeah um doesn't, doesn't look like a beer i gotta say as i realize this i've already poured it out um because the bottle's clear uh, I already poured it out and did not take a picture yet, so you will not be able to see the color of this beer, but uh, we we get to see it. You, usually you yeah. can go to our Instagram, but I, I just completely forgot at this moment. So anyway. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeff. Oh, man. Uh, very exciting. <laughs> I'm glad to just bring back the sours, man. Have some, yeah. Have some sours going. Uh, well, starting with this kind of weird-looking beer, I wanted to talk about a card that is not super weird, but um, well, I want to. Uh, I'll explain why why I wanted to talk about it in a second. But uh, anyway, this is called Corpse Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Appetizing. <laughs> um, so it's one black red for sorcery. It says. As an additional cost to cast the spell, exile a creature card from your graveyard. And it says, Corpse Explosion deals damage equal to the exile creature's power to each creature and each planeswalker. So, a nice little board wipe where you use creature's power in your graveyard. So a corpse exploded. Oh my gosh. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about this was the name, first of all. And the flavor text just says, well, that's one way to scatter her ashes. <laughs> Dear God. Jesus, what the hell? <laughs> blow it up. That, um, that, that's all. That's all, that's all I wanted to say about Calvi that. Calvi will not be the funeral director at my funeral. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way, yeah. Jeez. This card is powerful, though. I mean, I really like... So this is a theme of the set overall. And may, maybe it's just in Maestro's or racketeers whichever one this is supposed to be i don't know mm -hmm. but i really like this idea of like a control decks spell that wants you to have creatures like this is like oh it's a creature deck that also wants a board wipe so it's got to be in that sort of mid-rangey zone mm -hmm. but the payoff is there if you do this is a three mana like um burn down the house or whatever right like yeah. that's really really strong uh, it's just you need to be in a deck that both has creatures and wants to wipe away the board. And I like this one because, hey, maybe some of your creatures survive. Maybe you can, like, finagle this so that uh, you only kill your opponent's, like, wimpier creatures and keep your own around. Totally. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think it goes well into both different families it can fit into. Um, mm. But I think it's it might be specifically targeted to the Riveteers just because they have a sacrifice theme. Um, yeah. so maybe they wouldn't care if their creature dies or they're, they're hoping that that might happen, but yeah, pretty also, I think this being green, their creatures might be a little bit bigger, but really it is super cool, but, um, <laughs> I probably would have blown past it if it wasn't for the crazy name and the flavor text, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, but now that we've stopped to read it, I'm like, Hey, that's actually not that bad. Yeah. 
As a reminder, uh, flavor text, we don't get to see it on Arena very often, but if you hover your, your little mouse over it, whenever your opponent is roping you because they're pissed off that you're winning for some reason, um, you can read your flavor text to your cards. It's a lot of fun. Um, keep yeah. yourself entertained. <laughs> we don't have to always complain about other people doing shit. <laughs> All right, so you, you went on the theme of weird looking. Uh, I had a different way I was going to go. I was going to say, you know, speaking of uh, offensive beers... Uh, here's an offensive card <laughs> to me. Um, so that card is a big score. I don't know oh if you've, my uh, God. Been, if you saw this one. This is three and a red for an instant. It says, as an additional ca ca uh, cost to cast this spell, discard a card, draw two cards, and create two treasure tokens. Huh. Boy, that sounds familiar. Sounds really familiar. I had to read this card at least, at least three times to figure out why it wasn't as good as uh, <laughs> Unexpected Windfall. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's Unexpected Windfall, but it is easier to cast. Yep. Can someone who works at Wizards explain to me why this card is here? Why? Why? Did you not look around and notice that Unexpected Windfall has been the best card in Standard for like six months? And then you're like, let's make it splashable. Is this supposed to be a limited card that's like, oh, sweet. Yeah, maybe you can get some treasures to fix your colors. But like, why? why? Why don't you just reprint Unexpected Windfall? I don't understand why you need this. I'm really excited to play against the Is It combo decks that now have eight Unexpected Windfalls in them. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, so now your test of talents won't even get rid of all of them? Yeah. Or I guess we should, you know, we have to turn the tides here, like, Unexpected windfall is now big score five through eight. <laughs> big yeah. score is the, the is better the, one. <laughs> is the better one. Wow. Yeah, I was pretty upset when I saw that. I was like, oh man, come on. So the award for best card in the set defaults to big score. <laughs> Luckily, I guess unexpected windfall does rotate out in September, so we just okay. get to keep you never big... get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> so now we just we only have a certain period of time where it's double. But come on, like <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll print Schmoldschman Schmagen in the next set, <laughs> and it's just it's actually four in a red, and it's Goldspan Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say they're gonna make like a, <laughs> a colorless instant that just <laughs> is big score, but <laughs> there's no color restrictions. Anyone can play it. No, no, they'll keep changing the name and making it slightly better somehow, so that it's always there's always Goldspan Dragon plus Unexpected Windfall in standard. So man. Anyway, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty upset by that, but and confused, and I, yeah. I was literally like, "Why is this different than Unexpected Windfall?" I had to read the text box a bunch of times, then go look up Unexpected Windfall and compare. I was like, "No, it's the same text box. <laughs> it's all the same stuff." Jeff, let's talk about a card that we're excited about. Do you have one that you're excited about at this moment? Uh, I do. I have a few that I'm pretty excited about. So let me just scroll until I see the first one that I see. Okay, here. And this is good because we can talk very briefly about the Ascendancies. Perfect. So one card I'm interested in is Riveteer's Ascendancy. I knew it. So this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Jund one, black, red, and a green. It says whenever you sacrifice a creature, eh? mm -hmm. eh? you may return target creature card with lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And then want, want, do this only once each turn. Um, I think it's just really cool, especially with the uh, Riveteer mechanic, which naturally, like, 
makes you want to sack like you play your creature to give it haste but then you have to sack it on end step mm -hmm. so it naturally uh plays really well with that because generally the um cost of blitzing a creature that's the name of the mechanic would be lower than the mana value of the creature mm -hmm. um, and so because this triggers off the mana value of the creature you sacrifice it's just like a really really nice tie-in to the blitz mechanic uh I wish they hadn't put do this only once each turn, but I get it, because if you have a sack outlet, you could just go all the way down the chain, and that's kind of lame. Mm -hmm. So that probably stops it from being good enough, but I think it's just a really cool design, and like I said, with the Blitz mechanic, just ties in really nice, and just uh, overall the coolest Descendancy, I would say. I, I agree with you. This is definitely the coolest one. Also has a really sweet artwork as well, um, just to call back to an old... Uh, <laughs> kind of industrial painting. Um, but uh, I do wish that they just didn't enter tapped. You know, it'd be kind of nice if you you had shields up or, or you could do some shenanigans on their turn and and uh, get... I guess it would be kind of annoying with, like, village rights and stuff, but still, like, it uh, could be some nice combat interesting th things. But Yeah, like, I guess they just don't want... I don't know, like, because you can do it on your turn and on your opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. And so if you can sack at instant speed, you could get, like, instant speed blockers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's that big a deal because this card is face up on the table. Your opponent knows that this card exists. Mm -hmm. They can see your graveyard. They can assume you have a instant speed sacrifice, like uh, Deadly Dispute. So I don't think it's that. It didn't really need to be hamstringed that way, I don't think, because you already hamstringed it with the do this only once each turn. Exactly. That's probably probably good enough. But they like to be extra safe with stuff like this. Which is good, but um, but no, I, I I can see it. I just, uh, eh, you know. Anything catch your eye? Just kind of in general. I was excited, or excited, but I just thought it was pretty cool that they added the hideaway mechanic. Just in general to a bunch of, um, we have a cycle of them in these enchantments. And so I'll yeah. talk about the, uh, the, the black one, which kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, Cemetery Tampering is two and a black for a rare enchantment with Hideaway. Who almost spilled my beer. Jeez. Oh, man, I got to calm down. All right. Wait, you have a beer? <laughs> yeah, I do have a beer. That's a really cool color. Um, well, anyway, so this enchantment has Hideaway 5. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, you may mill three cards. Then if there are 20 or more cards in your graveyard, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost, of course. Reading Hideaway would make sense if I explain that. So <laughs> Hideaway is a mechanic where uh, it says when this enchantment enters the battlefield, you could look at the top five cards of your library, Hideaway five, top five, uh, exile one face down and put the rest on the bottom in any order. So um, it's just looking for you, mills your, your library, and then as soon as you have 20, you can play it without paying its mana cost. Um, there's a whole cycle of these. This is the black one. Um, but this is a mechanic. I don't know. Was this in another set before i know it's a uh there was a cycle of commander um lands that had this mechanic i wasn't sure if it was actually in uh another set in like lorwyn or something yeah it was lorwyn mm -hmm. um, and it was on lands in lorwyn got it so, well. so i don't know if those are the same they've got to be the same lands so in my mind they're just commander things but yeah um it's kind of fun to, to have one of them have a have like less than 20 cards in the library or something it never happened in commander <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah so i just think this is nice it's also you know 
you tell me if this is a good way to to self mill, but um, seems like you could get something sweet though. Hideaway is always just kind of a fun thing where you're like, I don't know, is it going to be good or is it going to be trash? But you get to pay, it, you get to play it without paying its mana cost. So hey, cemetery tamperings, maybe you play this into your um, meeting of the five, and then you could play it for free. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like I think it's really cool the hideaway uh, enchantments. Um, I think they all kind of suck, but yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely a cool mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they are. They're, they're not great. But. <laughs> okay, so I just saw one card, and it it just immediately uh, caught my attention as something that we need to discuss um, because I saw people blow up about this card. I think it was in Twitch chat. Uh, when it was revealed, I think maybe this one was revealed on stream or something, and people were just talking how busted it is. And so I need to let everyone know how terrible this card is because apparently not everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a PSA. This card is called An Offer You Can't Refuse. <laughs> it's a blue mana for an instant. It says counter target non-creature spell. So far, so good. Then it says... Its controller creates two treasure tokens. Two. This card is horrible. <laughs> like, no, don't play this card. It's <laughs> so no bad. Reason to play this because it's not even like an emergency. Like you don't you don't pull the emergency lever because you can only counter non-creature spells. Right. So it's not even like against their uh, freaking um, holebreaker horror or something. Um, it's. It's actually just going to ramp them into that card. This is terrible. I it's so it's so bad. If and people were like, "Wow, that's a card. This is busted." It's like, are you? No. Is this like all just like a meme? Is this some sort of like sarcasm not translating through the internet kind of thing? Because this card is awful. It's so bad. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone playing this ever. So you're not playing this in standard because no, you're not doing anything important enough that that this makes sense. Um. And then if you're going older, like, how is this ever going to be better than Pact of Negation? Yeah. Like, the idea is, oh, I have a combo that wins right now. I just need a cheap counter that, you know, I could still do my combo. It's like, well, then use Pact of Negation. Like, don't use this. This gives them another chance. Like, they, they gives them two more mana to work with to maybe kill your thing again. Or hold up a counter <laughs> spell for the next thing or whatever. I don't know. Right. No, this card's so bad. I don't understand how why anyone would ever play this. No. It's a trap. I think it's just a trap. You know, sometimes they make right. cards that are purposely just like a trap. This one's a trap. Don't it's like reverse mana drain or like reverse mana <laughs> <leak>. <laughs> Instead yeah. of you having to pay three, I give have you. To pay three. Yeah, give you I, I give you three. Yeah. So you already know how much I'm like very lukewarm on or not lukewarm. I just don't like Basaju very It is much. reverse spell pierce, isn't it? Yeah. It, you have reverse spell pierce. Um, uh, it, it gives them the mana, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I didn't like Besaidu from the last set just because I don't like ramping my opponent. So this is the same thing. No. Yeah. I don't like doing it. This is, this is twice as bad. Twice as bad. Twice as bad as Besaidu. Although I think this card is actually like 100 times worse than Besaidu. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. This is... No. This... I didn't even realize people thought this was good because uh, it's it's not. Yeah, and maybe they don't. It's just that like launch stream on the Magic Twitch channel, which mm-hmm. I guess you never know who you're getting in there. The people were like, 
literally, I'm not joking, calling for bans. They're like, this card will be banned. Like, from what? So this <laughs> is a perfect example for don't call for bans until you play a card. Because you could you could think that was ban worthy. And then realize... My, my only explanation is that they read it too quickly and thought that you get the treasure tokens. Yeah, oh. Because that, that would be fucked up. That would be pretty <laughs> it's fucked like, up. It's like, you know, counter that and I get two treasure tokens. Yeah. Like unconditional counter. Yeah, no. But it's not that It's like at negate, all. but cheaper, and I get two treasures. It's like <laughs> negate, but it actually ramps me. Yeah. And then people were talking about countering their own spells. And it's like, that's the world's worst ritual because you would have to play a zero mana spell otherwise you're not gaining mana off this mm -hmm. and then counter your own zero mana spell so you spend two cards to go up one mana <laughs> <laughs> that's not good that's guys. so bad that's not good don't <laughs> just stop just stop yeah that's not, that's not i good. guarantee whatever format you're playing there's a better way to get ahead on mana than that like just playing goldspan dragon <laughs> Jeff, everything's just going to be Goldspan Dragon. <laughs> yeah. I could switch to Prosperous Innkeeper. There you go. Let's do that one instead. Um, I did want to talk about this one card that I thought was pretty fun. No, huh. Okay. Uh, it, they're not always fun, but um, the the whimsy of Rogue's Gallery, which is uh, okay. two and a black for a sorcery, and it says for each color, return up to one target creature card of that color from your graveyard to your hand. And then in the art, it's just a lineup of all the different types right. of characters from the different families. Because ideally, you'd be able to, for three mana at sorcery speed, return five creatures to your hand, one of each different color. Um, which uh, seems seems really fun, really nice. But even three mana return three creatures sounds, oh, very good. That's, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, of course, you need three creatures in your graveyard. Of different colors. But yeah in a riveteers deck or whatever and they're all multiple colors it's probably pretty easy to make that happen yeah i think it's a card that's going to trap me in limited quite often but uh i'm i'm ready for the trap i'm going to fall right into it until i realize <laughs> i don't want to do that anymore I'm, I'm i know i'm gonna do it <laughs> i know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna fall right into it but uh i i'm excited i'm excited for that journey for myself so uh right yeah can't wait <laughs> i mean like getting two creatures back for three mana it's not the end of the world that's not that bad mm -mm. We do need to talk about this card. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I should read it or you should read it so I can laugh at you for reading it, but um, okay. I'll, I'll just read it. I'll just read it. Um, but this card is really, it just needs to be addressed. We just need to talk about it. Um, this is Lagrella the Magpie. <laughs> so. Uh, okay. Have you read this card? Do you know this card? I don't, it does, the name doesn't ring a bell. All right, so it's a broker's card, so it's Bant. It's green, white, blue for an uncommon 2-3 legendary creature, human soldier. <clears throat> Let me try to say this because it's the text box is, is hard to read. So it says, when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players until it leaves the battlefield. When an exiled card enters the battlefield under your control this way, put two plus one plus one counters on it. Okay. So reading this card, it <laughs> it takes a very long time to understand what it actually does, but it says, exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players. So right. it kind of sounds like I can exile all of my opponent's creatures. 
Right? <laughs> Any number of other target creatures controlled by different players. It sounds like that. It sounds like that it's... because the any number really throws you off so bad. Yeah. Um, but all of your, like, at the end, your choices have to all be controlled by different players. Yes. Uh, so, right? that, yes, you're correct. So that is an important thing. But it it t- did take me five or six times. I know I'm, my reading proficiency is fairly low, as we all know. <laughs> but this card really was, it was difficult to read this card. <laughs> This is one of those ones that's hard to parse. My understanding is, okay, it comes in. Let's let's just say it's one-on-one. Don't mm-hmm. confuse me with this commander stuff. Yeah, it's, so... it's one-on-one. I can exile one of my creatures and one of my opponent's creatures, and that's an and-or. I could do mm-hmm. any comment of those three possibilities. Mine, theirs, or both. Mm-hmm. Or none. And then <laughs> this is typical when it... Or, or none, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's typical of these cards where when it leaves, I return those. But the advantage is mine comes back with counters. Yes. Yeah, it feels like that's just really confusing card, and I don't know. <laughs> it's I, I don't know if it was worth it. You know, it's like it's, are people gonna play this? <laughs> it's like it, obviously it's a legendary creature, so I was like, oh, this could be your commander. But like so confusing to to read. Um, yeah. And they have to template it a certain way so that you can't do shenanigans where there's two paragraphs. And it like enters, and when the exile thing goes on the stack, you flicker it. So then it, the right. uh, the leaves the battlefield thing happens, and they never get their thing back. Man, that would be so so confusing. Yeah, <laughs> really confusing. But in any case, that's what it does. You play it, you get rid of one of their things, and you could get rid of, rid of one of your things if you wanted. If it comes back, you get the two plus one plus one counter. So I just thought it was. <laughs> It was a journey for me and a lot of people I had seen trying to figure out yeah. how this fucking thing worked. So, um, it, yeah. uh, it's going to be fun when it's on the stack and people are like, should I counter this? What does it even do? Yeah. I have no idea what this is going to do. Am I, I supposed to counter this? Pick your things, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> is it going to exile my whole board? Cause then I'll counter it. Yeah. But like, it can't do that. Right. It's only three mana and it's a body. I, there's no way it just like, <laughs> it takes away all my stuff. Um, <laughs> And then, like, hide some of their stuff under it, too, so that if I kill it, they, you know. There, yeah. um, anyway. All right, so to go completely the other way, up next we have Void Rent. This is white, blue, black for an instant. This spell can't be countered. Destroy target non-land permanent. Boom. I know exactly what this card does, and I know that it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good card. Boom. Yeah. Stamp of approval. It's great. Three mana, destroy any permanent like obviously it's gonna be non-land already that's a high high bar like we're talking some all-time epic cards have had this Mm -hmm. like vindicate right is just this yeah i mean vindicate could destroy lands which made it ultra busted but uh even if it couldn't it would still be good and that's this card and then they just like you know sprinkle in a little bit of uh spicy esper control mirrors here can't be countered so uh see a wandering emperor or whatever yeah you know you're you're dead obviously this card's great and then a mixture of this and vanishing verse like that esper deck is going to be gross like oh hey before it was like well if you're multicolored it's harder to hit you nope nope not anymore nope yeah fuck you you're dead yeah that's probably like the go-to week week one like tier one deck to Mm -hmm. take it's the esper the Esper deck that just gets better mana and 
you know, smattering of powerful spells to just slot right in. Yeah, absolutely. Which seems great. I, I will let someone else build that that list because I I'm I don't I don't know it, but I will definitely play that for sure. And the perfect thing about it is like people are currently playing like three Reckoner Bankbusters. So you already have cards that are just easy cut. Just get that out of there and put some cards that do something in and uh, the deck the deck's gonna improve, you know. Or or do you play this super meta play where you keep in the rank reckoner bankbusters and when you play it they waste their void rens on your reckoner bankbusters because they can't vanishing curse it. I don't know. Like maybe in Silver League that'll work <laughs> once you get it. <laughs> Oh gosh, that card! I I almost didn't want to talk about it because I knew I was going to see a lot of it, and I was like, "Do I want to talk about it right now?" Uh, maybe not. But this is something you can tank to take to the bank, listeners. You know, we always say, "Don't before you've played with the cards, don't uh, take our advice to craft stuff." You can feel very safe crafting this one if you mm-hmm. like that kind of deck. That's this card's going to be around for a long time. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be great and good. <laughs> I was debating whether I should talk about something really stupid or, or actually maybe talk about a serious card. <laughs> no, bring the stupid. Let's do it. I just wanted to say, <clears throat> so they made a card. Uh, it's called Cement Shoes. <laughs> what? So uh, have I've you seen, seen this? this? <laughs> it's an artifact. It's uncommon. Uh, for one generic mana, it says a cooked creature gets plus three plus three and has at the beginning of your end step tap this creature and it says equipped creature doesn't untap during its controllers on tap step and it equips for two so basically it's the kind of thing where you throw it on one creature attack and then i guess uh move it or or just move it onto a different creature next turn it's kind of like that energy blade from the last set where it's like hey your things don't untap but um i think the original idea of this card cement shoes is you you put the cement shoes on a creature and then you throw it in the the river and then they don't come back. That's what cement shoes do, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like and then they decided that maybe the, it was a little too intense. So like, oh, let's make it dark. Let's make it just like a. <laughs> a, a it's just slowing you down. Yeah. Oh, I came <laughs> but it to makes you stronger. Like, who decides that they're gonna bring cement shoes to like the battle and be like, nope, I, oh, I got it, guys. <laughs> it's fine. For some reason, it makes me sturdier and stronger. Or something, I guess. Uh, but I can't move. I don't know. Anyway. No, this definitely wasn't the original design because the flavor doesn't it quite match. It doesn't quite match. It. Uh, I get that it's slow, so it doesn't untap as quickly, but. I, it definitely seems like the kind of thing where they're like, oh, yeah, and then that'll be one of the, the common kill spells, cement shoes. <laughs> and then the whole set, you're like, I'm going to cement shoes your creature. I got to say, this is an early front runner for worst card I'm going to lose to in Limited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> All right, so another card that uh, I would say it's like on the border between stupid and real, uh, and I'm not sure which. Uh, I want to talk about Arcane Bombardment. And so this is for Red Red for a Mythic Enchantment. So you know it's good. Six mana Mythic Enchantment. Holy cow, better do something pretty explosive. All right, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, exile an instant or sorcery card at random from your graveyard. Then copy each card exiled with Arcane Bombardment 
you may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. All right, so it's a little weird, but you get this down, then you cast uh, Consider or Opt or whatever. Obviously, you're going to try and do it right away. Um, then it exiles something randomly from your graveyard that's an instant or sorcery, and then it, cop it casts that spell for free, and that like slots under the Arcane Bombardment, and then every turn, um, opponent's turn and your turn, uh, you get to basically cast like everything you've exiled with this so far. <clears throat> so, I mean, the obvious, the obvious thing here is that if you ever are fortunate enough, or if you can finagle it, to exile an extra turn card, you just win the game. Because you take turn, every turn you take another turn, because you exile that and it casts every single time you cast anything. Yuck. So that's where my mind immediately goes. You put Arn's Epiphany or the other stupid one, the red one, uh, under this. Um, if you can somehow manage your graveyard, like exile stuff away so that you have really good chance of that happening, uh, this just literally just wins the game as long as you can cast any spell every single turn. Yeah. And obviously with stuff like Consider, um, that gets pretty easy. Yeah, or just like Leer. I, this seems right. this seems like it would be like an alchemy thing, right? If we were trying to do Ulrin's Epiphany, then you're like, all right, sweet. Then I'll just like play all my cards again from the graveyard. Uh, I think the Maestro's Ascendancy lets you do something like that too. Yuck. All, yeah. all gross things. So this is one of those cards that's either terrible and we're all better off for it, or it's like real and it's going to be a nightmare. Um, I don't think anything fun is happening with this card. Like nobody's just using it just for value because it only takes like two or three turns before this is ridiculous mm -hmm. no matter what you're exiling so i don't know it obviously is a six mana enchantment that requires other spells to do anything immediately but you obviously wait till turn seven or till you have seven mana which because you have all these treasure tokens from your eight uh big scores um it's probably <laughs> pretty easy to make happen and then, you, and then you just have big score happening every turn. Oh, and you get more mana to play more things on your opponent's turn <coughs> or on your turn. Jeez, that sounds awful. And I'm then predicting you, the next like blue-red combo nonsense has this and Leer and eight big scores and, and you know just doesn't actually do anything, but it still beats you. <laughs> Yuck. I hate that. I hate this so much. This is exactly the kind of like stuff I don't like. Anything that, anytime I read a card that says, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery, I stop reading the card and I go into the next I'm already one. like, this is not nope. for me. This is a card that I'm going to lose to yeah. a lot, but I, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Um, yuck. But you're right. That, that is, it is really cool. It's similar to like, what is it? Eye of the Storm, which does this, but for everyone. And so it's just like right. a crazy, ridiculous thing that's like, it's like every time you cast a spell, it goes under Eye of the Storm, and then the next person that casts a spell copies everything under Eye of the Storm. And so you just keep doing that over and over and over and over again. And so it just gets really hard to play with and, like, not fun. I guess I've played that in a commander. So it's, like, just bizarre and crazy. And, like, this is... It's just a lot yeah, of logistics. On Arena, it's just like, I don't know, I'd probably lose. They just cast, like, Shock. Yeah. Know, what do they have like 80 shots on the stack yeah. whatever <laughs> whatever yeah i guess the, the you know the, the dumbest thing is like this card with 
<laughs> that, that's what I would want to do. This is the fair thing I would play. It's like this card, and then I want to play that stupid 3-mana uh, 3-3 three three, three with haste that puts a bunch of lightning bolts in your deck. And so then I play lightning bolt, and then it gets a lightning bolt, and then every time I lightning bolt, there's another lightning bolt, and another one, and another one. <laughs> so many lightning bolts. You'd only get to do it, like, twice before it just kills them. Yeah. It's just too much damage. That's true. You'd be playing the game where you're, like, trying to keep them alive long enough so that you can actually do it. Your deck is all lightning bolts and healing salves targeting you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening here, but it's crazy. There's so many triggers. <laughs> then your storm count's really high, but you don't do anything with it. You gain life or something. <laughs> yeah. You better hope this randomly hits more lightning bolts than it hits healing sounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Jeff, I think we got time for about one more card each. Um, I, go, I got one locked and loaded, if you're ready, right afterwards. Got it. So I want to just quickly touch on um, a type of card that I, I really enjoy, and I, I like when they add this, and I want more of them. But they tend to be white, which also might be the reason why I like them. But anyway, uh, so this is Halo Fountain. It's two and a white for a mythic artifact. And it says you can pay a white to tap it to untap target tapped creature uh, you control and you create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. You can play two white and tap it to untap two target creatures to draw a card. And then you can pay, uh, I, I believe it's five. Yeah, five, tap it. Untap 15 tapped creatures you control, and you win the game. So win the game cards are always super fun uh, to me, just because they add the little extra bonus of like, how am I going to do this? And uh, sometimes they're really good, and they can see play, like Approach of the Second Sun, and sometimes they're uh, really bad. Or like this? Like, like this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious about how you managed to get 15 tapped creatures without winning the game. That's that's impressive. <laughs> yes. So that, there's one thing. So the the normal criticism is you should have just won the game by this time. Um, most of these things, I'm not super interested in making using the other two abilities. I just really want to play it for the, the, the untap the, the the things and win the game. But I do love. So I guess you can. This is instant speed. So mm -hmm. you can attack with fifteen creatures, and then before going to damage, win, win with this instead of damage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you you yeah. okay? Yes, yeah, so, I get it now. Yeah. So you can do that. You don't actually have to like wait and get through or like anything like that, and see who's left over, um, which is great. I also like that it's all white mana. So it's like this is a white deck. You're you're playing a white deck. It's all white basically. Um, you can't sneak this into a different deck that's going to be able to do it better or whatever. It's like, nope, you're, you're playing white. <laughs> so <laughs> that is nice. I, I like the flavor too. It's like, uh, Halo is known to like invigorate, mm -hmm. uh, people. And so it like untaps them and untaps the, the creatures. You can also do it at instant speed. So you get little untappy shenanigans. We're like, sweet. Right. All right. The first two abilities are not bad. The third mm -hmm. ability is just there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which I said the exact opposite, where I'm like, I don't like the first two very much, but I like the third one a lot. Yeah, the third one's cool. <laughs> but uh, in terms of like a, actually playing the card, you know, the, you'd have to be in for the first two abilities to, yeah. to play it. This is funny because it does go, uh, it doesn't work extremely well with um, uh, the Wandering Emperor, because if you're making a bunch of vigilant dudes, they don't untap. <laughs> Oh, or is this tech against the Wandering Emperor because you attack and you just hold this up and if they try to exile it, you untap it and Ooh. Boom, fizzled. That is cool. 
ooh, I actually like that. <laughs> and then you just make a, another token, which is going to be another attacker against the Wandering Emperor, who's now at one, which will be at two on their turn. Interesting. That's cool. I like that. There's a lot of anti-Wandering Emperor tech in this set. Mm. Vigilance here, untapping there. That's awesome. That that made it for me. All right, never mind. The first ability is amazing. The second one is yeah. great. Um, that sounds like well, a I lot. I know of you fun. love drawing cards, so draw cards. Well, right yeah. Well, who doesn't like drawing cards, Jeff? Is there a, a person alive? I thought white players didn't know what it was. I mean, like it, they recently gave me cards that let me do that. So now I'm <laughs> I'm used to it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, obviously that's the only reason I played Oros. Oh, man, I almost spilled my beer again. <laughs> What's going on? Over there? I got to calm down, man. I'm just too excited for all these new cards. All right, Jeff, bring us home. What's our What's our last card for the evening? All right, it's between two. Um, so I'll just quickly shout out Evolving Door. Love the name, and it's like... Uh, <laughs> it's like a uh, uh, birthing pod, but for creature colors. I think it's kind of cool. It's like it turns a one color creature into a two color creature into a three color creature. And then it stops. <laughs> into a six color creature. No, no. Nope, nope. Uh, but the card I had, you went with a Mythic Rare, so I had to choose a Mythic Rare as well. Come on, this card. Bootlegger's Stash. This is five and a green for an artifact. It says lands you control have tap, create a treasure token. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bad. It's a bad card, but I love it. It's like a mild upgrade to all of your lands that lets you float. It's basically lets you float the mana like past turns, which you wouldn't normally be able to do. But it does it in such a like obscure roundabout way. But it's such a clean card otherwise. But it's like <laughs> This effect is so weird. Um, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I I do love talking about it because um, if you open this in draft, this is pretty bad. Um, if you try to play this in yeah, standard, it's going to be terrible. Just don't put it in your sealed deck. Yeah, just don't put it in your sealed deck, any of that stuff. Um, in Commander, this card's busted. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that fine line of like, everybody hates it because the standard <laughs> players are like, it doesn't do anything. The commander <laughs> players are like, I don't understand how I'm ever going to beat that. How they printed this card. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, Ruffle and Riches into Bootlegger's Stash. That was fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Since I'm not a commander player. Big thumbs up. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> cool card. <laughs> this green. I wish it could cost like four, you know, but all right, six, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad it's six. And um, you should be able to turn one this off like a soul ring, you know. It's, like, <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> clean. Um, yeah. But just like load black lotus, soul ring, blue legger stash. But then the thing is I like don't have any lands. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so then it doesn't do anything. <laughs> See, that's great, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, all this crazy artifact ramp that's so expensive, and then you just don't have any lands to actually do anything. You're yeah. like, all right. <laughs> Make a treasure token. Go. Go. <laughs> Destroy all artifacts, <laughs> and then you're back to one <laughs> without the treasure. Anyway, uh, sweet. We, there's a lot of other cards to talk about, of course, but we're going to have a lot of time to talk about them. Uh, so we're going to wrap this one up this evening. So it's time for our last call. Jeff, I think I already know what you're going to do, and I know what's going on this evening. 
Um, but let's run through the uh, all the tiers and all our, our rating system just to get it over with, because uh, I feel like I kind of know where you're going. Uh, but anyway, as always... We, you don't know me. I, I think I might by this point. Um, <laughs> we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, which is, which is of course, the tiers in Arena. And uh, this has nothing to do with which tier you are in currently. Uh, it's just a fun way to rate beers, so don't take any of these ratings personally. However... Bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. We hate them. Uh, you have to pour them down the drain, and you don't ever want to think about them ever again. Zach, as a double bronze gamer, that offends me deeply. <laughs> <laughs> I logged in the other day. I was like, bronze in both. I gotta, I gotta do some. I gotta do some ranking up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I will have you know, I am now officially in silver in uh, constructed. Nice. Uh, speaking of which, silver beers. These are macro brews or. Beers that aren't particularly interesting. Gold beers are, are fine, but you probably won't drink them again. Platinum, yeah, you would drink these again. These are pretty solid. Diamond beers are exceptional, and you would recommend these to a friend. And Mythic, just like our players who are in Mythic, are the best of the best. These are absolute top tier. Would recommend. All right, Jeff. Let's, uh, let's pick our beers for the ready? night. I think I'm ready. I think I know how this is going to play out. Three, two, one. Dry, Dry hop, hop kills. kills. Oh. Hey, surprised you, you there. You did surprise me. Threw a little curveball. Did I surprise you? It did surprise me a bit. Um, let's talk about Dry Hop Kills real quick, just because it's the one we picked. Okay. Yes. Um, Jeff, you, you talk about it. You brought it. Yes. This is what I was hoping it would be. It was a Pilsner that tasted like something, and <laughs> I liked that. <laughs> Uh, the dry hoppedness really did add like a a whole other dynamic to the beer. I feel like I mean I haven't tried the original because so this is their they have a pilsner that's just called Kills from what I understand, mm -hmm. and then they added dry hops. So this is the special version. So I haven't tried the uh, generic pilsner. I almost said bland. Like, I haven't even tried it. <laughs> um, but. Uh, like, I know what hops taste like, and I know what happens when you dry hop something. And that w did a really good job here. It's exactly what I said in the intro. Like, you get that crisp, refreshing Pilsner aspect, which I've never been opposed to. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also get that kind of hoppy beer flavor um, that is less tends to be less present in, in the Pilsners. So um, it's what I wanted, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by this because um, mm -hmm. I do think Pilsners taste like something. Um, so uh, I knew it was going to be uh, interesting, but there was like, it wasn't just the, the Pilsner and because sometimes there's like the skunkiness of the Pilsner with a little bit of like the, the hoppiness with the, the hops, but there was another kind of flavor in there that felt really refreshing and almost like tea-like. It had some, something like really nice right in the middle. Um, of all these these other flavors that like really just uh, I, I wasn't expecting that and so I kept like over and over again I would take a sip and be like ah it's still there what is that that's so cool I don't and I was just the whole time just like reveling about how it was just like everything I thought it was going to be and a little bit extra so um, I was surprised by this I, I liked it quite a bit yeah it was it was really good uh, do you know where you want to rate it ah uh, you know, I think of like Pilsners and things. Um, I wasn't, this was one of the ones I was least excited to taste. I just thought it was going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I'm very surprised by it. So much so that you talking about not having tried the regular kills makes me want to try the other one just to see how different it is. Um, me too. I'd be interested to see what the comparison looks like. Uh, spoiler alert, we did not pick up uh, kills as part no, of the podcast. We don't have that option. So we, just because we thought maybe one Pilsner would be fine. But now that we, we have this, it would be kind of nice to have tried both of them. Um, but I do think I might put this in Diamond because I really liked... I, I won't often think like, oh, like a, I will pick the dry hop Pilsner. It, sometimes it'll be like, oh, that'll be probably good. Um, but right. I'm, I'm excited for the other one I have in the fridge for this this guy right here. So Glad to hear you say that because I was coming in on Diamond and then I was like, Am I, is that too high? Um, but that's where I, as soon as I was like, well, I, I will be recommending this. So, mm-hmm. you know, according to our metrics, that's where it lands. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great stuff. Like it. Like it a lot. Really good. Dry hop kills. Um, let's go over to Born Into This, our our blackberry sour of the evening. Yes. Do you, do you want me to start? I feel like you you. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna start in a place, and then you you wherever I go, you'll go farther down probably. Um, <laughs> I did like this. It's a nice sour. Um, it's not too tart. Sometimes sours can be a little bit tart for my liking, um, but uh, it it it's quite juicy. And the, the color is fantastic. I enjoyed the entire bunch of it. Um, I thought it was good. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good. Um, again, it's like, you know, we bring this up every time with sours. You and I have different styles that we like mm-hmm. with sours. This is definitely more your style. Um, yeah. But it, it was fine. I just think... Uh, Maybe I was just a bit underwhelmed. The first one like exceeded my expectations, and this one probably just kind of met them. This is just what I kind of expected it to be like. Yeah. This one, I was very excited to, to try, and then as soon as I had the first sip, I'm like, yep, okay. So it is like that. All right. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's like, it's a little, it's like, yeah, it's a sour kind of juicy ale if you're into that, that style of sour, mm-hmm. and it's, you, you can taste the blackberry. Yeah. No complaints, I guess. Uh, I was just expecting more because the past few beers we've had from them are like, huh, that was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think ultimately, though, I still think it's solid. Like, I still think it's platinum. Like, it's a good sour. Um, There was nothing that was off about it to me. And um, I would get another one. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick one up whenever I'm there. Or Yeah, like, I'm happy to give it platinum, but I think I just won't. Like, I won't get this again because every time I'm at the brewery, I'm going to get other stuff. Yeah, I I thought you were saying, uh, you know, I could could give this platinum, but I just won't. I won't. I'm going to give it. Yeah, it's gold. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Hey, give it gold if you feel like it's gold. I think it just matches gold because Mm -hmm. I won't drink it again. Yeah. This this will be the only time I ever have this beer, unless, like, you know, you buy it or something and, you know. Well, I'm obviously not going to share it with you if if you're not going to appreciate it. (laughs) You can't have my uh, dry hopped kills. No, I'm going to go and get make sure I get the dry hopped kills and this, and that's it okay. so far. Um, but we'll have to see what the rest of the beers throughout the tap takeover. Great. Good beers. I'm excited for the rest of them. Yes. we got some exciting ones coming up over the next few weeks, so stay tuned for that. But right now, it is closing time. 
As mm. always, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. You can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? On Twitter, I'm at Blues Brews MTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Rank us there as well. Rank us. Rate us there. Uh, give us five stars. If you don't like the show very much, please don't rate uh, at all. Just go about your business, and uh, you probably didn't even get this far if you didn't like it. So um, Yeah, why are you still here? Yeah, why you, Thanks for listening to the whole episode if you didn't like it. Um, just don't <laughs> tell anyone you didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can go to our YouTube channel and complain that we haven't put up a new <laughs> video in a while. Um, Wait, we have a YouTube channel? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, um, but we, we love uh, any feedback. So just like, hey, tweet at us, throw us deck lists. I'll probably play them and then um, lose. But anyway, uh, yeah, we just love interacting with our audience. So, yeah. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that for years, the five families ruled New Capen in uneasy peace and the city prospered. Good night. All right, that's fine.